Hello, dear listeners. Welcome to a brand new season of the European Patients Podcast, your go-to source for all things patient-centric in the heart of Europe. I'm Flavia, the Communications Manager for EPF and your host on today's episode. For our first-time listeners out there, you're in for a treat. Make sure to subscribe right now. Why? Because we've got a full season of riveting stories, crucial issues and events that shape healthcare in Europe. Don't miss out and stay in the loop with us. In today's episode, we are unraveling the layers of the pharmaceutical legislation revision, a topic that not only shaped 2023, but continues to remain a high priority in the healthcare agenda of the new year. EPF welcomed the long-awaited revision of the EU pharmaceutical legislation because we believe it's a -a once-in-a-generation opportunity to make the EU regulatory framework more person-centered by promoting patient involvement in the regulatory process improving access to and availability of medicines and developing new treatments to better address unmet patient needs. Ultimately, the pharmaceutical regulatory framework should be like a tailor-made suit, fitting the needs of those who matter the most, the patient. Let's welcome Claudia Loati to the stage, EPF's Head of Policy, to talk more about this far-reaching piece of legislation. Claudia, welcome to the pod. Are you ready to take us on a journey through the labyrinth of the pharmaceutical legislation? Yes, with pleasure, Claudia. First things first, um, we call the revision of the pharmaceutical legislation a -a once-in-a-generation opportunity. What aspects of this overhaul excite you the most in terms of positive impact on patient-centric healthcare? Yes, indeed, Flavia. It's a very important uh, piece of legislation. Um, it's been over 20 years, actually, that uh, the EU hasn't opened its uh, regulatory framework for medicines. And uh, so it's not something that happens very often uh, that we have this opportunity to review the framework and ensure that it's still fit for purpose and that it actually uh, meets patients' needs. So a lot of progress has been made in the past few years in terms of patient-centeredness and uh, ensuring that patients are involved throughout the life cycle of medicines from clinical trials to to regulatory decisions uh, through uh, health technology assessment. But now is really the time uh, to embed it uh, in the legislation and ensure uh, that um, the framework is as patient-centered as it could be. So one aspect of it, for example, is uh, the inclusion of patient experience data in clinical uh, trials um, and um, the regulatory aspects, so ensuring patients are involved in regulatory processes, and perhaps we'll we'll discuss that a bit later. Um, One other thing that's I think it's important to keep in mind with this legislation is that there is an opportunity also to um, make access to medicines more equitable across the EU. Uh, And at the moment, you know, there are really important inequalities uh, between countries. Patients in certain countries have access to medicines much quicker than in other countries. And of course, you know, that's not something that can be changed magically or just with one piece of legislation. But I think there is something uh, that can be done in um, as part of the pharmaceutical legislation to ensure and to to try to encourage uh, companies and member states and all stakeholders uh, to 
bring their medicines to patients as soon as possible. And uh, I think you know this is one of the exciting debates as part uh, as part of this um, uh, of this process. There's no doubt whatsoever that the healthcare and pharmaceutical landscapes are transforming in the light of advances in technology, shifting demographics, or changing patients' needs and expectations. How does the revised legislation aim to address the dynamic challenges faced by patients and healthcare systems? Yes, so as you can imagine, in 20 years, there has been quite a lot of innovation uh, in terms of uh, pharmaceuticals and medicines. And of course, the framework needs to be updated in order to reflect uh, that innovation. So there are a number of provisions uh, in the pharmaceutical legislation that ensure um, that uh, the framework is up to date and that introduce new mechanisms for patients to have access quicker uh, to those new products. So, for example, you know that the Commission uh, is proposing um, mechanisms such as early scientific advice, uh, rolling reviews, uh, temporary emergency marketing authorizations. These are all regulatory pathways that would allow patients to have access to the medicines they need a little bit earlier, uh, while ensuring the safety uh, of the framework and making sure that there is sufficient oversight uh, by the European Medicines Agency uh, in order to to ensure that uh, patient safety remains at the centre. Um, there are other um, aspects, for example, real-world evidence. We know that medicines are getting more personalised, uh, that sometimes it's, it's more difficult you know, to have uh, the the full picture about the risk benefits at the beginning when the when the medicine is first uh, put forward for evaluation by the agency and then um, when it gets to the market so being able to inform uh, this benefit risk throughout uh, the life cycle including after uh, the marketing approval uh, is is important so establishing this framework to collect the evidence that is needed uh, to continuously um, uh, inform the evaluation is really important. So that's another aspect uh, that the legislation is, is addressing. Um, there are a number of challenges as well. Of course, you know, there are limitations to what the pharmaceutical legislation can do. Um, it's not disease specific, you know, like, a, uh, but there are certain aspects, uh, certain public health challenges that I think uh, it addresses as well. So, for example, one of them is antimicrobial resistance. Uh, we know uh, that this is a really important threat uh, in terms of patient safety moving forward uh, and that something needs to be done in order both to preserve the antibiotics that we have at the moment and ensure that patients continue to have access to them and at the same time to develop new uh, antibiotics uh, that uh, patients should be able to have access moving forward if that's their, their last recourse. And uh, the Commission has tried to address that. I mean, of course, there are some debates as to whether this is the right way. But the fact that at least there is a realization, you know, in the in the legislation that uh, that this is an important issue and that something needs to be done uh, about it uh, is, is already a first step. From what you've shared with us so far, you, you've touched upon some things that are relevant in the legislation for patients and that are important for in, the innovation setting and so on. On the other hand, EPF has been a vocal advocate for patient involvement in this regulatory process. Um, can you give us a detailed overview of what EPF calls for? 
Yes, indeed, Shalia. Our key message is really patients must be involved throughout uh, the life cycle of medicines. Um, so here, you know, we talk a lot about the regulatory process, but I think uh, it links back to clinical trials and how patients are involved in uh, clinical trials and in ensuring that the trials actually answer the research questions that matter to patients. So this is why, as part of this legislation, we're uh, we would like to encourage companies to gather patient experience data as part of their clinical trials and to present that and include that in their marketing authorization. Uh, we believe that that would create a link as well um, post-approval for the reimbursement process to ensure that uh, that authorities have a view of the impact uh, of medicines on quality of life, um, on uh, the patient's daily life and daily experience, basically, in order to, to differentiate those medicines that actually bring a lot of value to patients from, from those that bring less value. So um, this is one aspect uh, in terms of the development of the medicines and the research um, uh, of, of new medicines. Another aspect, of course, links to the regulatory process per se. Um, and uh, so patients are involved in a lot of uh, EMA committees. They were not involved in the past uh, in the main uh, decision-making body of the European Medicines Agency, which is the CHMP. And this would change uh, with the new legislation. There would be four uh, patient representatives uh, at uh, the CHMP. So really, the committee that decides and assesses uh, the risk-benefit of a medicine and that makes decisions about whether a medicine will be approved. And that's, of course, that's really exciting for patients. Um, at the same time, we don't we want to make sure that we don't lose the experience that patients that were involved in the different committees of the agency is not lost. Um, and so we want to ensure that patients continue to be involved in the scientific discussions that happen before the decisions um, and that uh, some scientific uh, working groups remain that will be able to have those uh, in-depth scientific discussions, for example, on pediatrics, and that patients will be part um, of, of these discussions. So this is uh, one aspect that we're really um, pushing as part, uh, as part of our advocacy. Um, another important point um, is the uh, definition of unmet medical need. We believe, you know, that the EMA will have to to have an important role in defining some important regula regulatory concepts. So unmet medical need is one of them uh, that requires kind of this case-by-case um, -case assessment, uh, and EMA should play an important role in that, but they should also involve patients and they should involve uh, all the stakeholders that have, uh, you know, an interest in making sure that this definition um, responds to the needs uh, of patients. Certainly, this is um, a crucial piece of legislation and the policy team has their hands full uh, with it this year in 2024, but maybe you know, looking ahead to 2024, what are the other policy areas EPF will tackle? Um, so, yes, indeed, it's a busy year. Uh, of course, you know, the formal legislation is so important. We want to make sure that uh, that we focus uh, on that. At the same time, you know, the, there are elections uh, this year. And so we know that uh, the process at the parliament at least will be stopped Um from April onwards, uh, and uh, that means, you know, that uh, I don't think the legislation will be finished by then, uh, and we will have probably to restart uh, in September. In the meantime, of course, we continue our discussion with the member states, uh, but 
uh, in terms of the pace uh, of the negotiations and the legislation, I think we have to to expect uh, that it will last a little bit longer uh, than just um, uh, a few more months. So, um, of course, that means that we we can't forget all the other things that are going on. Uh, we have the the European health data space is really important for patients uh, in the sense that uh, it's really about creating a a single market for health data while ensuring that patients have control over the data that they share uh, and uh, that uh, they are involved as well in the governance uh, of, of this initiative. So the European health data space has a lot of potential uh, moving forward for find new new medicines and uh, to inform the benefit risk of, of new medicines. But we believe that patients should really be involved uh, in how it is implemented uh, and in the structures uh, that uh, that will govern the, the data space. So we will really continue uh, pushing on, on that. As part of the elections, uh, it will be a great opportunity to convey really some important messages about patient involvement in health policy in general, um, especially at national level, uh, and empower our members uh, to convey those messages and, and to engage uh, there is still really a lack of support uh, for patient organizations across uh, the EU, and uh, we believe that they should really be uh, supported and, uh, and that some a framework is needed in order to, to, to have that, especially financial resources that would enable them to, to be involved meaningfully in health policy uh, and, again, across uh, the life cycle of, um, of medicines and healthcare systems. So... As part of the elections, we will really also um, focus on those messages about uh, patient involvement. I think we can also mention, you know, the ongoing debates around artificial intelligence. Obviously, that is certainly not going uh, anywhere. Uh, we will have um, more uh, legislation uh, coming probably in the coming years in order to really develop a framework uh, for artificial intelligence. And that links it also to other types of medical products, um, which are medical devices. Um, the EU is currently implementing new regulations uh, on medical devices, uh, and it will be very important to ensure that patient safety is at the core of the system and that um, patients have access to the devices uh, that, the, that they need. So we'll be very engaged on that. And then finally, um, I mentioned antimicrobial resistance a little bit earlier. Um, this will also be uh, an important policy topic. I think more awareness uh, is needed on this topic. There is still um, a lot of people don't realize um, how important it will be moving forward. We sometimes talk about the silent pandemic, um, and uh, I think it's important to ensure that it's not so silent anymore, that we realize, you know, that uh, antimicrobials are a key aspect of care um, across uh, disease areas, and that if patients don't have access to uh, antibiotics, if antibiotics are not working anymore, uh, this can potentially be very damaging for our healthcare systems and for our ability uh, to meet patients' needs. Indeed, um, it looks like a very busy year for our team policy. But wrapping up, Claudia, let's perhaps go, let's go back to the pharmaceutical legislation and the revision uh, of the pharmaceutical legislation. If you could leave our listener with one key takeaway about the impact the pharmaceutical legislation will have, what would that takeaway be? 
I think the one takeaway about the impact uh, of the pharmaceutical legislation is really around access to safe, high-quality, effective medicines. You know, this is really what this leg legislation is about, and making sure uh, that patients continue to to have access to to the medicines they need, and and to improve even uh, access to to the medicines they need. It's really a unique opportunity to update the framework. Uh, and to have a broad review of um, all the different provisions to ensure, you know, that, uh, that this objective is, uh, is achieved. Claudia, thank you for accepting my invitation. It was great to have you on this episode. Together, we've unpacked how this legislative overhaul will address the dynamic challenges in today's ever-evolving healthcare landscape. Claudia, your guidance has been invaluable as you walked us through EPF's main advocacy points, highlighting the importance of patient involvement throughout the regulatory process. And as 2024 is starting, you've given us a sneak peek into the policy areas EPF is gearing up to tackle this year. To our listeners, remember a key takeaway. The revision of the pharmaceutical legislation is a unique opportunity to update the existing framework in a way that gives patients access to safe, high-quality and effective medicines. Thank you for joining us today on the EU Patients Podcast. I'm Flavia, your host, signing off for now. Until next time, stay tuned, stay informed, and most importantly, stay healthy.